Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did you ever did you ever think about what it took to write a book in the time of the disciples? You think your parents and your grandparents had it hard when they had to write everything down on paper with pens instead of just on a computer with, with digital documents? The days of the disciples, just getting something to write on was labor-intensive work. You either had to use a mat made out of thin strips of the triangular papyrus reeds that had to be gathered way on the banks of the Nile River in Egypt. It was called papyrus. Or you would have had to use treated animal skins called parchment or vellum. So few people knew how to write And books were so expensive that even when the Apostle Paul wrote a letter, just a letter, it would require a lot of effort to ensure that it was passed on to the neighboring congregations. It's crazy to think about when you compare it to an email today. And even hundreds of years after our Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, the cost of all those folios of parchment and all those copying scribes who worked for months on end to produce a new, one new copy of, of the Bible, that would still cost around 30,000 denarii. They say about 40 years wages. No wonder it took a wealthy Christian emperor, Constantine, and a state decree to ensure that most cities where churches were located had at least one copy of the Bible. Well, living after the invention of the printing press and the technological advances of of this digital age, it's hard to imagine to get your, your mind around the idea that the Bible that we paid 30 to $50 for, or, or the Bible on your, on your smartphone app that you, that you got for free, well, that would have been almost inaccessible to the average human being outside of a church building for almost 1,600 years after Christ Jesus went up into heaven. But we can see then why the disciples may have been concerned to hear Jesus say, and we read that in verse 23, whoever loves him will keep his words. And then God would make his home with them. Well, how, how could future generations know Jesus' words if he was going to go away? And although Jesus promised to answer their prayers in verses 12 to 14, and he promised to dwell in their hearts by his Spirit so that they might walk with him all their lives, that's verses 15 to 24, the disciples could quickly see that they would also need divine help to preserve the gospel message of peace in Christ that he was preaching to them, that he was leaving with them. And the words of our Lord Jesus in our text today are an amazing comfort to believers in all ages. 
The believers who have the Bible in their hands or on their smartphones. And I preach to you the gospel that the Holy Spirit preserves the gospel message of peace in Christ. And we'll see that he preserves it through human witnesses, inspired writings, and through all times and places. Well, in our text today, the Lord Jesus revealed more about the different kinds of work that the Holy Spirit would continue to do after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And so in the verses before our text, our Lord Jesus promised that he would not leave the church as orphans. Verse 18. And he explained to them that the Holy Spirit would be with them forever. This was a general reference to the change that would take place after Pentecost when God's people would now, as a whole, we would become the temple of the Holy Spirit. But then as Jesus moves on to teach the disciples about the importance of the words of the Father that he, that he shared with them, then he, then he shifts the focus a bit to highlight the disciples' particular responsibility in the coming years. After giving instruction, you can see that in verse 23 and 24 about anyone who loves him and keeps his word and whoever does not, very broad language, then the Lord Jesus addresses his disciples directly. And he speaks to them about what they must do with the Father's word that they are hearing from Jesus' mouth while he was still with them on the earth. When our Lord Jesus was with his disciples, he had given much instruction about who he was and why he had come. And now he was going and he tells them it was up to them, standing there before him, to to understand and to remember everything. Now think about reading the Gospels. Think about how many times you're reading that the disciples hadn't, had not understood what Jesus was doing or saying at the time. And then you can you could see why they were troubled, why they, they were afraid of Jesus' words, of this responsibility. Imagine if, if the faith of the next generation depended on your ability to accurately transmit the gospel of peace that was preached by the Son of God that you had followed around for several years. That's a good thing then. You see the comfort of the promise of our Lord Jesus to to send a helper. He says, the helper, the, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. You see the gospel of this promise. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come as as his emissary, that the one sent in his name, not only to help them to remember everything that Jesus said, but also to teach them and to give them a comprehensive understanding of all the work of Jesus Christ and its significance for the future of the church. 
Our Lord Jesus promised these instruments of the Holy Spirit that with His help they could be faithful and confident eyewitnesses of all that had occurred. Eyewitnesses who could also properly interpret what they had seen. Would teach you all things and bring to remembrance. When we read through the book of John, we could see that promise fulfilled. When you're reading through on several occasions, after accurately describing an event as a faithful eyewitness, you can read it. John will then add, he will add in that although the event happened, the disciples did not understand what they were seeing. Later, you'll read, after Jesus was glorified, they did understand. The Holy Spirit was helping them. For this reason, John is able to give some explanatory notes about the importance, the significance of what had happened or of what Jesus said. You can see that, for example, in John 7, verses 37 to 39, he says, when Jesus said that, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. And so by mentioning that the Holy Spirit would teach the disciples all things, Jesus also assures the readers of the Scriptures that the Spirit's revelation and His guidance in all truth would extend to those events between this last conversation that Jesus had with his, day, with his disciples, and the day of Pentecost. John 14, verse 25 to 26, assures us that when we read the Gospels, we have access to the exact words that Jesus spoke. We can study them word for word. It's important to note that by sending out his disciples as witnesses, and you can read about that in Acts as well, the Lord Jesus made it clear that the preaching of the gospel must be the preaching of the facts. The preaching of the facts that have been testified by eyewitnesses. You see, our faith is not just an ideology. Our faith is not just some one of many philosophies that men may uh, come, come to. The Christian faith is not based on human interpretations or the will of man, but it is based on real, visible, and concrete things that the Lord himself has done. John 15, verses 26 to 27, the Lord Jesus further defines the disciples' task to say that the Helper will bear witness about Jesus. And also the disciples were to bear witness because they had been with Jesus from the beginning. And so the Lord called them to just give an eyewitness account. Just tell the world what I did as eyewitnesses. Everything you heard and everything you, 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 you saw when you were accompanying me. 
And so remembering the promise of our Lord Jesus that the Holy Spirit would speak for and through the disciples who were brought to trial, the disciples would boldly go out into the world and simply preach about everything that Jesus did and said. Everything the Lord was doing. And so look at it, even on the day of Pentecost itself. Peter simply preached about what he had seen Jesus do, what he had heard Jesus say. Acts and the epistles, they do the same thing. This eyewitness account of the work of the Lord through his son Jesus Christ, that is the gospel. These historical facts They do not change with the changing times that we live in. And so also the gospel message of peace that the Holy Spirit once for all delivered to the saints will also remain the same throughout all ages, throughout all places in this world. And in this church, in this church, we proclaim and we celebrate the work of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can do so because in the unfolding of the history of redemption, there came a moment when it was necessary to collect everything that Jesus taught with his mouth and everything else that the church needed to know in order that nothing would be lost for future generations. We are amazed to see that Early New Testament preaching consisted of repeating this one same gospel preserved by the Holy Spirit and eventually written down and collected as Holy Scriptures. You see the the work, the power of the Spirit that we celebrate every time you open your Bible. The Holy Spirit preserves the gospel message through inspired writings. It's very important to note that the Holy Spirit's work is focused on Jesus Christ's words and the work that he did once and for all. The Holy Spirit does not introduce new ideas or or provide different ways to have peace with God. But he constantly points us to the, uh, he constantly points us to and applies the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. He applies that work to our hearts and to our lives. The accomplished work of salvation that Jesus completed once and for all that was the gospel message that the first eyewitnesses declared And as they themselves so clearly indicate, it is the heart of the message of all written scriptures. Since Jesus' contemporaries had seen it for themselves as eyewitnesses, they did not bear witness to Jesus Christ for themselves, but for the benefit of the people around them. Peter explains this very clearly in his second letter. We read that together, so parts of it. After urging believers to diligently confirm their calling and election, 
by leading a godly life, Peter explains that he would make every effort so that after he is gone, the church may be able at any time to recall these things, to remember these things. Maybe you looked at that, maybe you noticed. It's very interesting that the very letter in which Peter explains his intention becomes the Scriptures that accomplish exactly what Peter wanted to do. That's the the work of the Spirit in action. In the Gospel that he wrote, we see both a clear eyewitness account. It talks about what he saw on the mountain. As well as his clear interpretation of the account that he learned from the Holy Spirit. The eyewitness accounts were transferred from oral preaching into words that were written down on paper. And so then John even ends his gospel with a stamp of certification. You can see that in John 21 verse 24. He says, This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now if you open your Bibles and you turn to the beginning uh, of the gospel that Luke wrote, then you are able to get a better understanding about all that happened. You see that transition from the disciples to the inspired writings. So in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, you can read it. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. The orderly account was given in order to give you certainty. To give certainty to the things that were heard. And then John explains further that although the eyewitnesses had seen many more signs than those that were written down in his book, John 21 Verse 25, the events that John did, that Jesus did, that John did record, we read in John 20, verse 31, they were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. God, the Holy Spirit, wants you to know. The work of the Spirit that we see now is is that He is bringing the facts to your life. He wants the world to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is resurrected Lord and King. And as the Holy Spirit gives us this desire to increase in our knowledge of the triune God, as He he leads us to these Scriptures, our, our text today, assures us that everything that the disciples wrote down was true and complete. Study it with confidence. 
because the Gospels are not just the recollections of some uneducated fishermen. But God, the Holy Spirit himself, helped Jesus' very own disciples remember exactly what was said and then also interact with these eyewitness accounts through inspired reflection. And so Peter gives the general rule concerning the written scriptures when he says in 2 Peter 1, verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And although we know that Paul was a mere human being who wrote letters to show different church groups how to live in accordance with the gospel they professed, we also know that his writings, we read about that, his writings were called scriptures and considered among the sacred writings that are able to, to make a person wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Second Timothy 3, that passage you all know. Maybe you want to write it down to fit it into the picture. Second Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. I think most of the children here have memorized it. All Scripture is God-breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. You look closely at this text, and you will see that the Bible that we hold in man is not just the the words of man that God breathed into to give them some sort of authority, but the Bible says that, that the words are the divine voice that God himself breathes out. Then you see the, who the Spirit is. You see the power of the Holy Spirit. You see the, the consequences of Pentecost. The powerful voice of God that we sing about, we will sing about in Psalm 29. It has been translated into the words of our, on our pages. And they are, like we sang in Psalm 12, pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. We praise the Holy Spirit for preserving the gospel message through Christ's witnesses and the words that, of God that they wrote down so that we can continue to study, to preach, to grow in the gospel, to, to celebrate the work of Jesus Christ. And this helps us to understand our place in God's plan. Our task, the task that he has given us as a gospel message of peace in Jesus Christ continues to be proclaimed through all places and all times. The Lord Jesus promised the disciples in John 14, verse 27, that he would leave his peace with them. Now the context makes it very clear that Jesus is not just bidding his disciples farewell. He's not just saying goodbye or peace as he's walking, walking out. When Jesus gives peace, he doesn't just tell you things are going to be okay and leave you like the world does. 
But he is able to make things okay. So the Lord Jesus in our text here, he he promises the disciples a happiness that they would experience as a result of his departure from them. You see that in verse 28. Well, today we can see that promise fulfilled. Where Jesus did enter into the, the greatness of his Father when he ascended into heaven. And as a result, he could, he could pour out the Holy Spirit on the church so that we have him in our midst. And he protects us from the ruler of this world that we read about in verse 30. And it's a testimony to, to Christ's victory that we may know the gospel of peace in Jesus Christ as we open our Bibles here in St. Albert, Alberta, 2019. You see, it's been just under 2,000 years since the eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry made every effort to ensure that the next generation of believers had an accurate and precise account of all that had been accomplished among them. And as the Holy Spirit provided Jesus and these first New Testament authors with a preserved copy of the Old Testament, so today we can praise Him that we continue to have the Scriptures in our midst. Not just one copy in every city, but several copies in many different languages of the world, in every home, in every church building, with more available on our phones and in our computers. You can look it up, the, the Holy Bible app. You can pick your language, pick your translation. Boom, click, it's there. Since the Holy Spirit has also ensured us that the original languages did not disappear from use, And so as thousands of of translations are are coming out, we have the original languages at the same time. And as our Holy Spirit ensured that, that thousands of fragments of copies of these original documents are still available to verify and to confirm the one gospel message believed on through the ages, we can be confident. The Bible in our hands is not missing a single part of the gospel of peace that our Lord Jesus promised to his disciples. We have it. God's word is there, is a complete, as a complete testimony to the truth. And you could study it. You could test it. You can evaluate it. You can believe it. The main reason we, we're raising our children up to learn how to read. We want them to know this, this truth that surpasses This peace that surpasses all understanding revealed in scriptures. This is the word. This is the word we proclaim. This is the word we we believe. We translate. We distribute. When we go back to our text, we notice there's a contrast. There's a contrast in our text between the world and Christ Jesus. Between the, the ruler of this world and our Lord, and our Savior. And that gospel means, or that contrast means that the, that the gospel that the Holy Spirit 
brings. This word always confronts the reader with a choice. Will you believe the message, the gospel message of peace with God in Christ Jesus and live, says the Spirit through His Word? Or will you ignore the gospel and perish? Everything the Lord Jesus says about the Word in our text is in this contrast. Well, when we open the Bible and we, we read the message of, that the Holy Spirit reveals to us, well, we find therein um, a most wonderful offer, an offer. God speaking to His creatures, He offers grace and salvation and peace and freedom, and we read it all in there. And that can be found in no other book, in no other religion in the world. There's a contrast. And the offer of life, the offer of hope, it's, it's timeless. It's transcultural. It's in every country, every culture in the world. Because it's based on the facts concerning the life of the Son of God who took on human flesh. That happened no matter where you live no matter what language you speak, no matter what culture you're in, it's the same fact revealed in Scripture. Jesus Christ has finished His work once and for all. He is the only mediator through whom we have access to the Father in heaven. And there are, there are only two ways to live. And the Bible reveals the way to life. No matter when you live, where you live, or who you are. That way to believe in, is in Jesus Christ. That's that gospel. He obtained the forgiveness of sins, eternal life. So what do you think of the scriptures? How important is it to you to study this Word, preserved by the Spirit, the instrument of the Spirit in your life. The diligence. It's a treasure of inestimable value. It's delivered right, right into your lives by the love of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And although it's readily available now, today, it may not always be. Maybe you heard about China, how they even blocked the, the Bible right off the internet. Question of electricity, cut out the electricity, what's, what's left? So let's take advantage of our time. Just because you don't have to spend 40 years wages on one copy of the Bible, that doesn't mean that you should treasure the Bible any less. God speaks to us through His Word and, and as we read in 2 Peter 1 verse 19, we do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Though men may throw the truth away or stop reading and listening to the Bible and resist the Holy Spirit, God is faithful and His Spirit 
will preserve the gospel message until Jesus returns. So brothers and sisters, every time you take up the Bible in your hands and you read the words preserved in it, remember to give thanks to God. The work of the Spirit through the disciples, the witnesses, through the writings, ongoing work because you have the privilege of having his revelation. Amen. We'll sing.